This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. The St. Lawrence State Hospital in Augsburg, New York, had a pretty wild past with a lot of wild stories. Many we know about. There's even more we don't know about. We're going to cover that in this episode. Super excited. And as always, I'm joined by Meg. What's up, Meg? Hey. Ready to do this? Yep. This is a pretty interesting one. And uh, I think you've driven by it a lot, but you probably don't even know a lot about it. And I love that uh, that you're going to blind react to this one. You, you haven't read the notes. I have not. I'm really hoping there's a lot of names that I can say in this episode, but probably not. But either way, you want to jump into this? Let's do it. Let's do the intro. I'm Matt. And I'm Meg. This is the Your Town Podcast. Let me give a quick shout out to the Deluxe Edition Network. We are part of the network. Love the network. It's a great time. And we're going to give a shout out to the podcast of the month. There's two of them this month. And I'm super excited. It is the Metalhead Journeys and the MILF and Me podcast. A uh, cult-worthy production, the MILF and Me, Metalhead Journeys. Feel free to check them out, deluxeeditionnetwork.com. All right, Meg, this is uh, this is an interesting one. This is one that, uh, that Zach and myself kind of worked on for a while. We didn't love it. We started to kind of try to do a bunch of stuff just on the psych center, and there just wasn't a lot of information, which I, we, me and Zach kind of it's realized. surprising. Yeah, not only surprising, but a little sketchy. You mm-hmm. know, it's been around a long time, not a lot of stuff. So I decided to kind of shift the focus away from the psych center and into the state hospital which there's a little bit of some kind of cross stuff. And again, this is in Augsburg, New York. And I don't know, let's just right, go into this. Uh, the Psych- Psychiatric Center came first between the two. Initially, it was to be called the Augsburg State Asylum for the Insane. I mean, that's a pretty long, tough name. Uh, thankfully, they did switch it. Apparently, there was some decent brains in here besides potentially the doctors. And they decided to call it the St. Lawrence State Hospital. Or the first patient was actually admitted, the name change came through. This was in the late, uh, and then again in the late 1970s, it was rechristened. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Rechristened? Isn't that what you do to boats? You christen your boat for good luck? I don't know. It's just the same. They, they redid that, and the St. Lawrence Psychiatric Center. The asylum was authorized in 1886 by the state legislature after being persuaded of the need for such an institution in the northern part of the state. The governor appointed a site selection commission, including Dr. Peter M. Wise. Nailed that name, right? Nailed it. And he was the superintendent of the Willard State Hospital. Oh, boy. And William P. Leckworth. Letchworth. Letchworth. Yeah. I would say Letchworth. Was a member of the State Board of Charities was also instrumental in establishing what is now Groveland. Never heard of it. Sounds like a place in Ohio. Mm. 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 That's going to let that joke go. They <laughs> recommended Point Airy, a 950-acre tract of farmland bulging out into the St. Lawrence River. The state purchased the land for $90,500 in 1887. 
if that was today's time, $90,500 would be $2.8 million. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, too, if they were to try to sell that 950-acre lot today where the uh, state hospital is, they probably get around $2.8 million, if not a little bit more. So, I mean, that land held its value, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. So then we have Dr. McDonald. Probably not related to Ronald, but potentially was one of the architects that was hired to this project. McDonald was also the superintendent of the Auburn State Asylum for Insane Criminals. That's how long. Why back in the day did they have such long names? <laughs> Spelled it right out for you. The Auburn State Asylum for Insane Criminals. Uh, and that was relocated to become the first superintendent of the Mateyawan State Hospital. It's, it's Fishkill now. Thankfully, they, they did that one. Dr. McDonald was presented, or was present. He didn't present anything. He was present at the world's first execution by electrocution. That should be a band name. Execution by electrocution. Hmm. That's our new band name on it. <laughs> yeah? No. Okay. Uh, he actually did a, the, a very graphic report on William Kemmler's death at Auburn in 1890 and is frequently cited in death penalty studies. There they go. The first execution there. William Kemmler's death. uh, Dr. McDonald was present. The St. Lawrence State Hospital opened in uh, December 9th, 1890, under the superintendency of Dr. Wise, who transferred from Williard Dr. Wise instituted a program of moral treatment. And moral treatment is in quotes because... We might jump into it, but we're not going to get super into it. But if you look at some of this moral treatment that was back in the day, there's no chance that it's going to be used. Probably even within the last 30 years. It's pretty rough. Mm -hmm. Um, This moral treatment, though, was designed to rescue the patient from the outside pressures that were widely thought to cause insanity. The moral, again in quotes, immoral, uh, immoral treatment refers uh, not to ethics, but rather as in the phrase like moral support. Like morale, that makes sense. Mm. Uh, this concept was kind of conceived before the advent of drug therapy or other medical interventions. Moral treatment meant an attitude and an environment instead of, you know, just pushing pain pills and different medication and stuff like that. That's what they did. It was before the times. It was in the 1890s. This is Take on the World with Johnny and Mike. And, you know, people always ask me, hey, you got a podcast? What's it about? Uh, I don't know. You ever want to uh, cut your fingers off or learn about a sharp knife? <laughs> we could tell you that. <laughs> How about uh, murder mysteries or uh, hauntings or any kind of fringe subject? Anything you could think of. We take on everything because we take on the world. Now you go take on the world. Bev's Video Kingdom. Because the movies won't talk about themselves. So Andy crawls through this river of shit. He comes out, visits a dozen banks, and no one's like, I'm a little concerned about the guy in the suit. <laughs> right. It smells like shit. You mean, you, mean, you mean the guy that literally washed himself in a river full of shit and is supposed to suddenly smell good? Dude, that's completely the mall rat stink palm, which takes like three or four days to wash off. Oh, last time I scratched my ass, it smelled like Bigfoot's dick for a week. <laughs> Bev's Video Kingdom. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So they did a kind of a nurturing routine of rest without stress and comforting their surroundings. Hmm, I could use some rest without stress. <laughs> Yeah, good luck with that. Or if they have any beds open in the 1890s, I'll go back in time. Need to call Bill and Ted and use the old uh, phone booth for a little right. bit. December 1890, the first 140 patients they were brought in. You know how they were brought in? Hmm. 
horse-drawn slave that was 140 miles away from Rome, New York. So, I mean, 140 patients were brought in by horse in December from Rome to here through the snow belt. That had to be a miserable. <laughs> and, you know, those employees that are, you know, I mean, they're, they're bringing up some people, obviously, that have very severe mental issues in this wagon. I, I just couldn't imagine. I, I, w- I would love to be able to eventually hear some stories from those rides. I wonder if it was enclosed. Oh, who knows? But then 20 more came each month during the following year. Most of the patients were of low-income status. Recreation as a mental stimulant was an important component of the therapeutic program. Entertainments included uh, stereo... What is that word? Shows. There were shows. Stereo... Patonic? Stereo... Patan shows? Maybe like a... Music? music well, the show? next is like musical and comedy productions. Sleigh rides, popcorn parties, phonographic entertainments, camping on the Lotus Island, skating and sledding in the winter and in the summer. River excursions on what is called Dorothy, which was actually the hospital steamboat. Hmm. Is a, a pretty cool thing. I, I have to I, look that up. Yeah, I have to imagine a lot of. Well, I, I know some people that work in the state hospital, and there is definitely not that I have been aware of boat rides for patients anymore. So, uh, dancing was very highly encouraged because it combined kind of physical exercise with what is, in Doctor Wise's scale, the most potent of all factors of moral uh, morale treatment: music. I agree with Doctor Wise. He's very, mm-hmm. very wise. Some mm-hmm. would say. Yeah, there it is. But then. In 1908, St. Lawrence pioneered a fledging occupational therapy program described as employment in various occupations for the purpose of re-educating the facilities of attention to violation. I mean, that's a pretty tough description when you go from four words to about 400. What? Very descriptive. It would be uh, imitated in state hospitals all over the country. Patients worked at weaving, sewing, woodworking, and knitting using wool from the hospital flock. I mean, just kind of picture that. Like, you have 950 acres, which you've driven by this place, right? Mm-hmm. Beautiful lot. One of the most beautiful lots in the county, maybe even in the state, overlooking the river and stuff. Unfortunately, this is my opinion. They then took an even better lot and developed it into another facility to host, you know, people with criminal past and arrests and stuff. And unfortunately, it is uh, it's like a pedophile unit and it has the most beautiful view potentially in the state for these criminals that uh, my opinion it shouldn't have been done they should have put them somewhere else but hey i don't work for the state and a lot of us would there so uh, if you guys have very strong opinions on that feel free to email us or comment on our instagram and everything else so um but yeah that, that's a really cool thing i think that they have the patients working giving them a skill and some stuff like that but more importantly that they are kind of harvesting their own wool is uh, a mm-hmm. pretty cool thing as well, having um, you know the sheep and animals and stuff like that. So well done to them for that. Okay. And then, according to Brenda Sandberg, whose grandfather was the St. Lawrence State Hospital senior business administrator for 37 years in the 40s and 50s, the hospital had poultry, dairy, and vegetable farms to produce food for its approximately 2,000 patients. So they're kind of self-sustaining. Which is a pretty decent thing because even the jail that uh, recently closed in Ogdensburg, 
they also had the garden, which was a really big thing for that. And not only did it help feed the inmates, but it also helped feed the local community. They donated a lot of the stuff from the garden to local communities and stuff. And that was kind of a big thing when that they really fought for, not only for the jobs and, and everything else, but was for the garden, the local community. And I do believe that they might have kept that going, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. yeah, but not the closure, but the garden. About 2,000 patients. They went from 140 to 20 every month and up to 2,000 patients. And it, it was, I mean, this place is massive. Again, 950 uh, square un uh, square acres and maybe not square acres, just 950 acres, sorry. And just building after building after building. A lot of them just kind of rotting and falling down at this point. But it was so big that they even had their own fire and police department, their own post office, their own telephone system, carpentry, plumbing, paint shops, tailor shop, theater, and the store. These are right all on the grounds? All on the grounds. Hmm. It's kind of like um, you, you used to, you know, um, you've been on Fort Drum mm -hmm. and how it's kind of its own little community. It's like a city within a city. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the, the image that I'm getting in the 40s and 50s. You know, it's just its own little community within a, a city. The hospital, like prisons of the day, re uh, resembled a self-supporting community. Hey, look at that. The farm was so productive that outside food purchases were seldom necessary. It also supplied the patients tobacco needs. The farm closed. So they grew tobacco? Huh. Mm. I didn't know you could uh, grow that in this latitude and stuff. Interesting. The farm closed in the 1960s after changes, so here we go, in state law concerning patient labor. The land was sold to the Augsburg Bridge and Port Authority for industrial development. 1928, St. Lawrence instituted a beauty salon, another first that was soon widely um, imitated in recognition of its therapeutic value as a morale booster. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Am I going to go to a state hospital that might be known for insane people to get a haircut? <laughs> Probably not, but maybe. I mean, my hair is pretty easy to cut. Bald. I don't have a lot. <laughs> All right. Um, so then uh, there was another first. The nursing school was the first for St. Lawrence County. When the hospital opened in 1890, there were only 23 schools of nursing in the entire United States and only 11 had been in existence long enough to have produced graduates. Dr. Wise reasoned that it would be easier to train his own nurses than to recruit them. In 1890, before the first patients arrived, he established a co-ed nursing school, the first such school affiliated with a state institution. No suitable texts were available, so Dr. Wise wrote his own, which became the standard text in all Department of Mental Hygiene nursing schools. In 1913, the curriculum was expanded from two years to three years hmm. and now ironically it's back to two years i think for standard nurse uh, lpn one year and then uh, you can go get a four-year rn degree 1972 with its inpatient population declining new york started phasing out its costly nursing schools st lawrence's program operating out of the flower building was the last to close in 1981 today the grounds overlooking the river which was once one of the best views, is now a view of razor wire fences that encloses a facility for um, for sexual offenders and a closed state jail, as we mentioned a little bit ago. It was once a booming business that helped support the city and was uh, just a great asset, and uh, if not the greatest unused pieces of property on the St. Lawrence River. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And... Um, now, just a, just a lot of cool things, I guess, the history of, you know, how 
the this facility, you know, from Wise to McDonald and everything, how they they've really kind of laid the ground for nursing and you know mental hygiene and just a lot of things that you know if this facility wasn't around in the day, then um, you know who who knows what the rest of the country and especially the ones in the state would have for regulations and stuff and. Um, little, little ironic too, because near there, there is actually still, um, you know, a facility that is up and running. Maybe we'll dive into the history of that, that, um, you know, does help with a lot of mental health patients and stuff that is very, very big. Cause there's not a lot to that, that, that house, especially in our County, let alone in the state. And mm-hmm. usually it's so full that, uh, unfortunately patients up here do have to get shipped hours away and try to find a bed in another one. And I know the local hospital they do house a lot for mental health so yeah i feel like mental health issues are very prominent in this area too with mm-hmm. only having i mean if you think about it we have what three months of good weather and then it's dark and cold yeah seasonal depression mm-hmm. is a uh, is a very tough thing and you know not to not to get any more serious but you know there, there's no shame in uh, reaching out for help there's a lot of opportunities there's a lot of numbers if you are listening to this and going through some tough times make sure you reach out and get some help because you are loved gotta be honest uh, i don't have a quote for this episode it was a long time ago and uh, i just don't have one but do shout out a lot of uh, a lot of different sources wikipedia was honestly the main and only one that i do recall using for this episode so shout out wikipedia um huge huge advocates of uh of helping with mental health but let alone using wikipedia it's a good thing um i'm gonna try to get a quote real quick let's do this one here this seems fitting because it's the first one that i see (laughs) (laughs) slow breathing is like an anchor in the midst of an emotional storm the anchor won't make the storm go away but it'll hold you steady until it passes i'm ross harris I like that. Yeah, it's powerful and it kind of plays with the, the whole river and mm-hmm. Dorothy and the steamboat and everything. So I'm definitely going to have to look that up. Dorothy the steamboat? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll look that up and we'll uh, we'll try to find some stuff on the social medias. Um, pretty, uh, pretty interesting things. And a uh, big shout out to our producer, our writer, Zach might not hear him on the mic, but he is working hard in the background, posting on Instagram and writing up some episodes so myself and Meg can uh, continue to penetrate your ear holes. So thank you for listening. I don't have anything else. you have anything on? No. That was good. That was an educational <laughs> show. Super excited about it. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Come back next time for episode 23 on something that we're not quite sure yet. Could be an interesting story on the West Coast. Could be an interesting story about a popular board game that a lot of people, including Zach, play. Could be something about a murder. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Had a lot of great feedback from the um, Blind River, our, you know, because we are an international show now with our first Canadian show. A lot of great feedback from that. A lot of questions. A lot of people couldn't believe they couldn't find this killer. So potentially still out there. Go find him and give us a little bit of credit so we can be on 2020. <laughs> all right. That's all we have. Uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Welcome in to Metalhead Journeys. What is Metalhead Journeys? It's exactly how it sounds. It's a journey through the world of metal by a couple of metalheads. Are you thinking of getting into metal? Where do you begin? There's so many different subgenres. What bands are good? What albums are good? We'll provide answers to all of those questions. We'll handle all the research and do all the dirty work by listening to the good, the bad, and the ugly so you don't have to. Classic albums, new albums, bands no one's ever heard of. Get ready as we'll applaud and criticize with the same passion. This is Metalhead Journeys.